This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Just About Work, where we talk about everything that can have an impact on your career. Today, we're talking with author, prolific writer, media personality, and expert career strategist, Carrie Hannon. Carrie is my very good friend, and I was thrilled to chat with her in the very first episode of Jazzed About Work. In that first show, she had great advice for people who are bored or burnt out at work and who want to fall back in love with their jobs. But today we're changing gears to talk about how to get started when you know you want to, or you have to, make a career shift. Carrie offers great tips about how to get ready to move, how to find your next career path, and how to overcome the special challenges that can face job seekers who are over 50. Whether you're feeling lost and confused about your career, or just want to do some early planning for your next successful phase of life, Carrie has some practical advice. Carrie, you were my first guest on Jazzed About Work, and people have been downloading your episode ever since. It's a very popular one. And so I'm thrilled to have you as the very first guest that I've asked to come back for the second time. In that first conversation, we talked about, I think, my favorite of your many books, which is Love Your Job. In that book, you talk to people who are feeling bored or burned out, and Um, but they don't think it's time for a career shift, and so you help them fall back in love with their job again. But today, we're going to switch gears, and we're going to talk about how people can make a shift, how they can make a move when the time is right. But before we get to uh, that book and that topic, could you just bring us up to date? What have you been working on lately? And can you share a little bit about how you've put together so many layers in your career? <laughs> well, it's great to be here, Bev. Thank you so much for inviting me back. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what a compliment. I have been busy. I've been busy. I One thing I do a lot, Bev, is, and I feel passionate about this, is I travel around the country and I speak to audiences who are looking for work and generally people over 50. So I've been doing a lot of that, giving them help and sort of like, yeah, it's a tough, you know, it's a tough sell, but you can do this. The other audience I spend a lot of time talking to are women uh, to get sort of, I have a book out now called Money Confidence that I've been putting together a series of workshops around the country to help women feel more confident about their personal finances. And, and that's really rewarding to me personally. So in the next, coming from this conversation right now for the next couple of months, I'm going to be in Las Vegas, in Boston, in um, Frisco, Texas, and um, a variety of, of other spots. In fact, uh, next week, I'm off to Oklahoma City. So, you know, all sorts of highlights and fun places, but I'm reaching out to people. So I hear a lot of stories along the way. I'm working on a new book, uh, Never Too Old to Get Rich for Mid-Career Entrepreneurs. And, wow. um, you know, writing for my various uh, uh, publications that I write for now, which is New York Times and PBS Next Avenue. I love watching you. I, um, Of course, we follow each other on Twitter and all kinds of places, even though we don't see each other as much as we'd like. But 
I always get a charge out of the surprising places you turn up, some of them out of the country, <laughs> um, the interesting things you do, and how you change your topic from finance to career, and it all works so well together. I'll just mention to our listeners that we're pre-recording this, so there'll be a whole new list of cities by the time this oh, airs possibility. Good point. Uh, but um, so we don't forget, let me mention that your website, com, is just full of resources. It's got all kinds of good advice and suggestions and articles. And if people go to that, they can probably find out something about what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. They can find my books and what I'm up to, articles I've written, and they can also find a link to your book. <laughs> oh, thank you for remembering that. <laughs> well, I know you're traveling and talking, and I'm willing to bet, because we all know it's true, that everywhere you go, you're talking to people who are dreaming of changing jobs. Some of them may have to, but other people these days just want to make a shift for any number of reasons. When you're going and you're talking and you're on workshops and, and you're kind of visiting people, what are some of the reasons you're hearing about why people are changing jobs so frequently these days? You know, uh, Bev, that's a great, great question. And, and you hear lots of different reasons. But I think the predominant one I hear is that people reach a point, and you don't have to be over 50 to feel this way, but you suddenly feel like you want to make a difference in the world and you think, is this what it's all about? Am I really doing the work that's meaningful and giving back in a way that resonates with me and hopefully with, with those around me? And I found that, you know, when you ask people what they love about their job, what a lot of people say, and in fact, most people say, is they love the mission of the company. They, they like, you know, knowing that they're doing something important and they believe in the company. If they're working somewhere where they're not getting that feedback, that sense of it, that's when they start sort of going, you know, am I just, just clocking it in? Am I just phoning it in? What can I do to make what my work does resonate? And I'm not saying follow a passion necessarily, although I love that word. You know, you develop passions over time. It's not like, oh, I'm going to be struck by, I have to do this thing. But just people start thinking about what is it that I can shift my existing skills primarily, into a new arena, a new way of giving back, but but using the tools I already have. And, and sometimes, and we're going to get into those tools in a minute, but sometimes people make the shift because their, their mission, the meaning that they got for work wasn't necessarily the company's goals or the organization's goals. Sometimes it's putting your kids through college or learning something new or staying in a community where you can be with your aging parents. There are a lot of reasons why people feel like they're getting something meaningful from their job, even though the job itself oh, absolutely. may not it's the joy around the needs. edges. Yeah. And, and, and then life changes and your kids graduate from college or whatever it is. And there's an opportunity sometimes that people think, well, you know, what else can I do that maybe might have some more direct impact? And that does seem to be happening a lot. I think it's it? really happening. I also think that people do find as you get older that, you know, there is that whole, the fact is, you know, older workers tend to, you know, get early retirement packages. They're, they are, employers often do try to move them along. So there is a sense often that, or if you've been out of the workplace, and we can talk about this more for women, it's really hard to get back into what you were doing before. If you've stepped out to raise kids or for caregiving for your parents or aging relatives. So it can be tricky. And this forces you to rethink what it is you want to do. One of the things that 
does seem to happen is when people are thinking about what they want to do, there's no handy job that just fits. And so we're seeing people do portfolios. They're maybe not doing as many things as you are, (laughs) but they're doing a combination of things, some that have meaning, some may have more money. Do you find that, um, that, that entrepreneurial approach to work where you pick and choose, maybe you get a part-time job here and you have a business over there. Do you see that that growing entrepreneurial spirit among people of all ages? Well, I love it. And it's like my favorite. Well, definitely among a variety of ages, but clearly the over 50 set. All right. I got to say, you know, a lot of people think that what they're going to do next is going to be that linear career path. But in fact, the patchwork quilt is in. I mean, that's what people like to do. You do a little of this. You might do this for a while or a season and add something else, a couple of things at the same time. One might be your moneymaker. One might be your heart, you know, delight, you know, whatever. But And so I've always talked about that idea of get out of that linear way of thinking and open up to possibilities of a variety of work you can do. But what's curious is that when I um, recently had a talk and my 25-year-old nephew was there, and he's been in the workforce for a couple of years now, but he said, well, that's what we want to do. That's what I want to do. So I think it's it, it's kind of going down that people start, people are kind of taking control of their work lives, if possible. Now, the financial motivation of having to have, sometimes you have to work for the money. And that's not, I'm not trying to be crass. It is absolute truth. But if you can sort of, I always, and I don't know about you, Bev, but I always did uh, moonlighting on the side. I always freelanced on the side, whatever my main job was. So thinking about the money and trying to develop some stability about the money is one of the things that you need to do before you take a leap sometimes. Is that one of the things you've been looking at? I know you've been working a lot, as you said, with women who are thinking about making a shift. How do you advise people to get themselves ready to to take some financial risks that might come with a more entrepreneurial career. Uh, so true. I mean, this is one of my favorite, you know, get on my soapbox. So I, you know, I have Carrie's fitness program, which, you know, actually was inspired by you, Bev, in many ways. But, you know, being financially fit, physically fit, and spiritually fit in order to make any kind of change in your life that's going to, you know, have a big shift for you. But the financial piece we'll talk about right now, because money is the biggest stumbling block. And that is exactly, I love to say, you know, debt is a dream killer. So if there's anything you can do, and any of the successful career shifters I've, you know, worked with, I've interviewed, I've profiled in my books and so forth, the successful ones have given themselves time, like three to five years, let's say, to actually put their plan in place. And the big piece of that plan is getting financially fit. Financial fitness means you can need to pay down. First, start by doing a budget. Where can you trim back? Where can you get lean and mean? Do you have credit card debts? Can you pay down some of those credit card debts? Can you refinance your mortgage? Do you want to move to a smaller place? Anything you can do to trim and get fit that way it really, and you may even move to a new place where, where the living costs are cheaper depending on your lifestyle. But the cool thing about that is when you are financially fit, you're nimble. You have possibilities. It gives you, you know, it opens up the whole world to you about what you might want to do and what you can do. And you can take jobs that don't pay as much as your last job did, or you can be an entrepreneur and take that leap because you have that financial fitness. You can work for a while before it starts to pay off if you're starting a business, That's which really is important. critical. Yeah. Well, there are other reasons why, uh, if you're thinking about leaping into another style of career from a more traditional job to an entrepreneurial or a, a patchwork quilt kind of job, as you described it, and, and, and one of them is that 
a big need sometimes is to develop some new skills, to learn something new. And I, I noticed you had a great piece in the New York Times about how um, people are going back to school. They're finding new ways, sometimes online, to get their skills. And one of the reasons uh, finances become so important, again, is they have to pay for it. How is it that people in midlife or any time are, are, are finding ways to go back and sometimes start all over again on their education. Well, you know, Bev, and, and I think you and I have talked about this a, a little bit in the past, just lifetime learning is non-negotiable. I mean, in today's world, you have got to constantly be learning. You can't just accept that what you learned 20 years ago in college or whatever is going to withstand you. We have this longevity bonus. We're living longer lives. We need to work prepare for longer lives. In the younger generations, the 20s and 30s, need to be planning for these longer working lives as well, because in fact, that's what's going to be. So you need to constantly be learning. And and the point is, you know, sometimes you need to just take one course. Sometimes you need to take a, a series to get a certificate or some sort of uh, program like that. But there's lots of different options. You can take a class for $25 or you can spend $700. So there's this huge sweeping way to approach education today. But the beauty of it is online education is clearly an option for people. And it's a great way to make it a little bit more affordable. And again, the online options, as I wrote about in the New York Times, doesn't you can do a full degree program that's going to cost you just about as much as if you showed up in the classroom. But there's always to slice and dice those. Some of those online learning opportunities involve face-to-face learning too. And, and we can talk about the ways to kind of look at them. But, but I think, Bev, you have encouraged me at one point also to think about this. People are thinking of making a shift. You know, you don't have to sign up for that whole degree program, right? Yes. And and there's something else. If you're thinking about making a shift and you're thinking, gosh, I'd like to learn more about this technology or you know this field, what I've noticed with my coaching clients is that if they do start looking, particularly in getting comfortable with a new technology, I've noticed it, if they do start doing that, it can transform their current jobs. <laughs> so the yeah. the jobs that were kind of boring and felt dead end, all of a sudden take on new life. I think one thing is because your whole perspective shifts if you're engaged in learning something new. But also, if you're learning something and you're finding it interesting, you're more likely to be able to go to your boss or go to your client and say, hey, um, this thing over here that I'm working on would be great to solve that problem of yours. Mm -hmm. Having the ability to bring in new ideas and find new ways to add value can create a whole new life for your current job. And sometimes your current job can segue you, can help you move to that new path. So continuing learning, is it's it, it changes everything for where you are now. I think it does something else, and I I want to get to your um, your the new edition of your book, Great Jobs, Great Thank Jobs you. for <laughs> Everyone Fifty Plus, Finding Work That Keeps You Happy, Healthy, and Pays the Bills. It's a great book for midlife career shifters, and the, one of the things you mentioned there, and that I want to touch upon, is that age discrimination is real. I. I see it more as I see the workplace through my clients' eyes than I ever have. And it starts with people who are surprisingly young sometimes. And the I think one basis for it seems to be the technology gap, gap that 
folks who are not learning about the the new technologies in their field just aren't keeping up. So in thinking about how you can prepare, don't you think keeping up with technology well, that's, is like the basis? Well, it's one of, of the, the biggest shift? things and, and it's what employers, you know, when you ask what, you know, employers what they're concerned about about hiring older workers or retaining them is you know, they think that they're not, you know, they don't have the stamina for their job. They're not up to, you know, they don't have the energy. They're not up to speed with technology is like number 2. They're concerned that, you know, they're not willing to learn new ways of doing things, uh, you know, to to sort of go in new directions. If you can kind of keep abreast with technology, it is critical in any industry, to be honest with you. As a writer, I'm constantly having to do it. We talk, my husband is in the documentary field. He's constantly going on. It's now. It was lynda.com. Now it's LinkedIn Learning and doing little tutorials. I mean, you, there are so many easy ways and not expensive ways to stay up to touch, you know, up to date with your technology skills. And it's a matter of making the decision you're going to do that. If you're in the workplace, raise your hand and say, hey, I'd like to be considered for that education program or that workshop that they're offering for employees, they might not think that you're interested, but say, hey, you know, I'd like to be included in that opportunity to learn something. And just showing interest huge shows that you are somebody they want to have around because you're aware, you're looking at things, you're willing to take a chance to learn. So it's a, it's a very important step. And I, you touch upon that in the book, but something else you talk about in, in the book uh, is that Part-time work is is more of an option than it used to be. There are a bunch of possibilities, and part-time work can be a bridge, or part-time work can be your base if you're doing something entrepreneurial on the side, as we talked about. Do you think that um, the part-time jobs are really out there? I, I, I can see lots of reasons why people want them, but I don't have a good sense of where people are going to find them. And I think your book got into that. Well, it's, it's huge. And there's a lot of reasons why. Because, and, and I'm not to be negative, Nellie, but the fact is employers love it if you're not full-time <laughs> because they don't have to pay benefits. And there's lots of reasons why you're desirable for them. If you're at a certain stage in your career, you can be a consultant and, and it makes you feel great. You're using your, your skills and your talents to give back and you're often working for your employer. Part-time work, in, when I write a column about part-time work for AARP, where I'm their uh, work and jobs expert, these columns get a million hits. I mean, people, I'm not making that up. People want to work part-time for many reasons. And particularly, as we discussed briefly earlier, caregiving responsibilities are huge, especially for women. And um, they need to have flexibility in their schedules. Um, and so what is happening is that we're seeing more of these opportunities. The ability to work from home from virtual offices has opened up the arena where you can work from home very easily. You got a computer, a nice little setup. It is not, uh, it's become something that employers are, are more comfortable with now, not visually having to see you in a seat, but because of all the technology, Zoom and Skype and all the other ways that you can actually connect with the office and with other people. Part-time work is there, and there's some great ways to find part-time jobs. Um, 
Uh, there's a couple. One of my favorite websites is flexjobs.com. I'm not doing an advertisement for them, but they're fabulous. I know the woman who founded the company. It There's a lot of good opportunities there. Um, uh, and there's in different cities. There's one here in Washington, D.C., where I live. Flex uh, Professionals is one that matches people where it's a way of so start looking in your communities of what might be out there that help you find part-time jobs that that work with you. There's another group I know that does uh, primarily people who have had careers in the insurance industry. So there are ways to look at these, but but definitely they're out there. You need to uh, have a skill to sell. You have to show that you have something to offer. It's not willy-nilly, but there are many ways to find in, in great jobs. I write about seasonal jobs, part-time jobs, you know, things you might just do for a few weeks a year. So there's a lot of ways to, to slice and dice that as well. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. In a world where impact matters, the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University offers innovative solutions to challenges. It's ranked as the 39th most innovative public service school in the nation, and it's in the top 100 U.S. News and World Report Best Public Affairs Grad Schools. The Voinovich School is a catalyst for regional, state, and national impact in entrepreneurship, energy, and the environment. With 11 full-time faculty members and 60 professional staffers, the Voinovich School partners with nonprofit organizations, governments, and the private sector to solve problems. It's the home of the master's programs in public administration and environmental studies. Students engage in real-world learning and networking to bring their ideas to life. For more information, visit ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. Knowing how to work the websites, knowing how to go online, knowing how to take responsibility for searching is is part of the trick. I mean, you <laughs> really have to um, be willing to go out there and look, and there are all kinds of things to find. One website that I want to mention that we've already touched upon is LinkedIn. And I think that's something that changed between the the first edition of, of your Great Jobs book, which was, what, uh, six years ago, something like that? And the new one that just came out is that um, LinkedIn has become a really important way to start preparing for your shift. It's a way to articulate in, you know, just a few words in, on your profile what your offering is, to some of the ways you can add value. It's a way to connect with people who um, maybe you've lost touch with. Do you agree that well, LinkedIn is critical? Yeah, Bev, I absolutely love LinkedIn. I mean, it is the resume today. Yeah, you still need your paper resume. I'm not saying you don't, but this is your living, breathing resume. This is your, you know, and you can have fun with it and you can go in and change it all the time. And if you're nervous about getting started, LinkedIn on the site itself has a great tutorial to help you. But what I suggest is look at 
at profiles of people who do the kind of work you do and uh, for ideas of how they go about doing it. But once you're there, and and um, it's a conversation that, that I think you and I talked about, what's beautiful about LinkedIn is in that entry, entry summary statement, yeah. you can be conversational. You can show your personality. You can show who you are. You're not one-dimensional, a flat resume, you know, somebody on paper. You can really uh, ramp up your language there. And you can also put videos. You can put audio stuff. You can put PowerPoint project. Anything, there's ways to demonstrate your work online in a way that you can't do on a paper resume that really helps an employer see you. And there's a, all these other ways that we, we can get into about networking. And, you know, really, it, it's your opportunity to shine. And, and you're missing an opportunity if you don't have one. Well, let me just focus a little bit more on that profile. The, the few paragraphs that come on at the very top, even if you don't put in all of the other resume information there. There, there are kind of two things you're trying to do with that, and the nice thing is you can do both at the same time. One is you want to put in some words that are keywords that people who are doing searches mm-hmm. using the tool can find you. So if you're, um, no matter what your field is, if it's if it's music or data management or coding something or other, you can put that word in that's going to be found by the search engine. But at the same time, I notice. Maybe in the third paragraph, it's an opportunity to say a little something about yourself. If if you run marathons, uh, you want to put that there, uh, particularly if you're older, because people are going to say, "Oh, here's somebody energetic." You know, kind of you have <laughs> an opportunity perfect. to say something about who you are and what you do and how you're approaching life. And and you can do that in just a few words. So looking at those few paragraphs and, and thinking about how you're going to present yourself can make a, a big difference. Even if you're going through a traditional hiring process, chances are the person you're going to go interview with is going to look at your LinkedIn profile. Oh, without a doubt. They, they're doing their due diligence on you. They're going to Google you, and they're going to say, okay, what do you have a LinkedIn profile? Are you on Facebook? Are you on Twitter? You know, Instagram, whatever it might be, they're looking for you. And if you don't have a social media footprint, it's going to look strange today. It really is. And by having those other those those outlets, it shows your personality as well and, and how you're involved in the world, things that you do. And and that's a, I write a little bit about this in Great Jobs is you do have to scrub your social media if you're job hunting to a certain extent. Be careful. I mean, don't I, always anything you put out there about yourself, it is, you know, you're marketing yourself in a lot of ways. So you, so you want to make sure there's not anything that you wouldn't want a future employer to see about you out there. But for instance, you know, on my Facebook page, I, I often put up pictures of my dog because <laughs> I absolutely you have a love my dog. dog. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> and, and people, would, so instead of always saying these serious job things or money things that I'll, I'll post stories and things I've written, but then occasionally I throw up the dog to say, hey, I'm a real person. You know, this is my companion. I think that's great advice. Obviously, there are a lot of things you don't want to put on, and particularly with young people, you know, we're always having these conversations. Don't talk about your party last weekend, which was such an amazing event that you didn't get home for two days, <laughs> uh, because that's not what you want employers to see. But aside from that, there's something else that bugs me that I see among um, uh, some among my friends, and that is whining about mm. little things. People, somebody cut them off on the highway, or um, somebody didn't show up, or somebody uh, didn't do a 
good job of mowing their lawn. Uh, people put their complaints on there. And one of the things that I think when I'm looking at that is, boy, I'm glad I don't have to work with that person. I'm glad that person doesn't live next door. Yeah, negativity is not going to be, that's something you need. And political stuff. I, I honestly, there's no place for that unless you have a private account, anything that's going to be... Now, again, on Facebook and so forth, you can set privacy things that so a future employer is not going to see that. But I would be very cautious, you know. And I would assume that anything that shows up on Facebook needs to fit within parameters you're comfortable with because mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to happen. Yep. And you don't know who's going to be connected and you don't know who may be a friend of a friend who gets the information. So being positive... Uh, being there, showing just opting you, out yeah. isn't the solution. Showing that you have some facility and and connecting with people and supporting other people's supporting content. others is key by Twitter, you know, tweeting out other people's information. But LinkedIn, this is a great way. I mean, that when an employer is looking at you on LinkedIn, they're looking at your profile, but they're looking at what discussion groups you might be involved in, how you can showcase yourself as an expert, how you you know how you promote other people's ideas as well as your own. There's all kinds of ways that you can use LinkedIn to kind of show that you're an expert in your field and why, you know, and engaged. Because if you're not engaged, it does look a little bit, you know, flat. And there's a way to do that. And again, I will say that Facebook and Twitter are great ways to look for jobs these days. And, and so is uh, even your Pinterest, uh, if there's certain things, if you're in the creative fields or Instagram, if you're creative, you need to look at some of these things. This is where, where people are looking to learn about you. And now I'm going to go in the other direction, because I know that, like me, you know that networking is kind of mm -hmm. the be-all and end-all of job searches sometimes. It's not enough to do only LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. Um, we don't want people to kind of heave a sigh of relief and think, oh, gosh, now I don't, at least don't have to go out and talk to people. I can do it all online. The, the fact is that I often see people finding their jobs because of something happens when they're out there. They're, they're working on a nonprofit committee and they uh, uh, meet a person who's on the same board and that person has a friend who's opening a company and all of a sudden it turns into yep. a, a job possibility. So getting out there and meeting people in person and doing something that I know you believe in, asking for help. Yeah, that's really hard to do. But here's the thing. Let me say my favorite thing. Okay. Networking is one letter away from not working. <laughs> so here's the thing. You absolutely have to get out of your head and into the world. And if you're just sitting there at your computer and sending out, applying online to jobs and so on and so forth, that isn't going to do it for you. Yeah, you have to have these little pieces in place. But you absolutely, like you said, Bev, you have got to get out and do things. And volunteering is a great way because even if you're not going to segue into working for a nonprofit, you never know who you're going to meet there. You might find an opportunity right within that organization, but you may hear of something else. So there's lots of, of great ways. But let me tell you a quick example of how networking can be. All right, so I um, I yeah, I made me a little indulgent, but I'm I have a horse, so I am at the barn the other uh, a couple of weeks ago, and a friend of mine said, "Could you help this friend of mine? He's 52 or something. He's really having a hard time finding a job. He really needs something." Blah blah blah. I don't know him personally, but I know her very well. So I had coffee with him, and I helped him work on his resume and and bringing up his skills because that's what sells your your experience isn't what gets you the job; it's your skills. Yeah. So we talked about that, but then a few days later, maybe a week or so later, I saw a job 
posting on my Facebook page, all right? So this is how it all comes together. And I said, oh my God, he would be perfect. He would be perfect for this job. So I um, I instantly sent him the job posting. And then here's the beauty of it. The reason why I was on my Facebook page is I'm friends with the guy who founded that company. And so I sent that guy an email, the founder, and I said, hey, I just want to flag this resume. I said, he's this is a terrific guy. I think he's got some of the tools that you're looking for, but just want to make sure you look. That's networking. Yes. So it's not That's somebody it he works. knew. This guy didn't know me directly. We had a mutual person between us, and he was asking his friend for help, but she then asked me. That's how the world works. It is. And I, I think making totally cold calls and cold requests, that's hard. Uh, so you're always looking for a connection. If you're doing it on LinkedIn, you're looking for a person you know in common. You're looking for an introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're um, having to call somebody just out of the blue, look to see, did you go to the same school? Do you live on the same block? Do you have somebody in common? We are connected in so many ways. So a good starting point when you're wanting to expand a search or, or get information is figure out how you can introduce yourself um, as in some way being connected. So networking is often building on these very loose, um, very slight connections and turning it into something. Yeah, it's so it's so much fun. I mean, I get so energized by it. And it's not like someone's, at, you're not asking that person to give you a job. You're asking them who might they know that has an opportunity. And again, you still have to get the job on your own. But employers hire people the way they always have, the old-fashioned way. They hire people they know or people they know know. They rarely, it's so rare that you're going to find a job by applying through the black hole online without a connection to the company. I'm serious. You do not have a great opportunity there. I mean, you've seen that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, it is always so much fun to talk with you. And I just remembered that we have to watch our time a little bit oh, here. No. So <laughs> let me ask be, be, before we um, we close here, do you have any um, final advice for people who are um, just starting to think about making a job shift? How do you get started? So the most important thing to do, no rash moves. Take it slow. You know, do your research. Where, what is it, you know, you might do a little soul searching. What is it that you really like to do? Write, keep a journal, write down some of the things that you love to do when you were young, what makes you happy today. Um, Some of that soul searching will help propel you in the right direction. Uh, During, you know, do uh, the research of what jobs are out there that, that you'd like to do. Moonlight volunteer, apprentice, any of those things. Um, You know, I I don't know, uh, you know, it's really important. Sometimes people think that their hobbies are going to be the way to go. But you know, your hobby may very well not be the way you go. I told you I love horses. Believe me, I cannot give riding lessons. That's not going to be a way for me to make a living. And I think you have a a, a story yourself where you... uh, Yeah, at one point years ago, I thought, well, maybe I'll be a landscape gardener. But I quickly realized that that's my hobby, but I don't want to be out by myself. Yeah. I want to be engaging with people. That was your respite from the busy yes. world. So so the thing is, I tell people, you know, really be careful. Think of those things you might want to do. But apprenticing and moonlighting helps you get a beat on whether that's really going to work for you. As we talked about earlier, get financially fit. Give yourself the chance to succeed. Because when you are financially fit, then you have opportunities. And if you're going to start your own business, you'll have a little stash of money hopefully saved in order to help launch you. And those are really important things. Add those 
skills, if possible, in advance. Um, and again, the most important piece of information, and and Bev, I know you tell this to people all the time, is just get started. Yes. You know, there's no ideal starting point. Just take that first step, make that first phone call, do that first search on the computer, whatever it is, and do one thing every day that pushes you further down the road. Absolutely. Start a series of small steps and see where it takes you. Well, Carrie, thank you. This was great. It's always fun. And uh, I hope you're going to be my first person to come on this podcast <laughs> three times. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Bev. Today, we've been talking with author, journalist, and well-known career and finance expert, Carrie Hannon. Today's career tip is that the way you manage your finances can have a big impact on how much flexibility you have in your career. If you're starting to consider a job shift, now is a good time to get out of debt and build up your emergency fund. That'll help take some pressure off and may open more options. If you have questions for me or my guests, you can email me directly at Beverly E. Jones at me.com. That's B-E-V-E-R-L-Y-E-J-O-N-E-S at me.com. And if you like our podcast, we'd love it if you would subscribe, tell your friends, and give us five stars. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO.